We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, the place to up-level that sexy life of yours with expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Cat. We've got just a few days left before the launch of our Erotically Undone course and container. And let me tell you, I am so excited to start this group. Erotically Undone is a six-week comprehensive course that guides you through the enrichment of your sexual experience. To me, eroticism is more than just the action. It's the essence. It's the pleasure. It's the embodiment. It's the attunement to our inner landscape so that we can understand what we desire so that we can understand what's blocking us and how we can realize our highest pleasure and enjoyment in our sex lives. Sex is complicated. Like really good, pleasurable, satiating sex is complicated because there's layers. There's layers of messages. There's layers of conditioning, criticism, shame, spectatoring our own selves and judgment. And in order to experience those like, earth shattering orgasms or just like uh so good to the pussy and the all the things you we have to peel back those layers we have to peel back those layers and we have to really understand these concepts that we've been taught that we need to embody in order to you know experience that pleasurable sex you know things like surrender self-love body love like how the fuck do we do that when we've been so conditioned not to And that's why this course is so great. So we'll explore principles of psychology. We'll go into erotic embodiment, sexual seduction, power play, pleasure, all to help you unlock that wild, vibrant woman and femme inside of you. And I will be joined by three amazing experts on energetic lovemaking, BDSM power play, and erotic lap dance and strip tease. Yeah, it's potent. And it would be an honor to guide you through your erotic initiation. So if you're curious, we only have a few days. This starts on April 18th. I'll put the link in the show notes and you can shoot me a DM at Sex Love Yoga and Instagram with any questions and curiosities that you have. I'm excited to see you in there. Let's make 2022 the sexiest year ever. All right, so let's dive in and talk with my dear friend and guest that we have on today, Miss Lila Sage. <laughs> Lila, yay! <laughs> Lila is an international dominatrix, a certified hypnotherapist, and a performance artist. She interweaves spirituality and energy work with her classical trainings as a dominatrix to transform play into sacred expression. I'm so excited to have you on. Oh my gosh, so excited to be here, Dr. Kat, and chatting with you. Lovely yes. to be in your radiant energy this morning. Oh, babe, I'm already <laughs> blushing. We are just started. <laughs> she, knows how to, she knows how to warm you up. That's for sure. <laughs> She's already doing her work on me. <laughs> 
I'm extra excited to have you on here because, uh, so Lila is teaching with me as a part of the erotically undone course and container about power play and polarity in BDSM. And I like to explain to people that eroticism, because the course is called erotically undone, that eroticism is the influence of imagination and creativity in sexuality. And it makes sexuality all the more enriching and energizing rather than depleting or boring or mundane. (laughs) And truthfully, I see BDSM and especially your work as being a really prime example of how we can do that. So I want to start there with maybe you can share from your perspective as a professional dominatrix, how you see BDSM as um, in the way that you do it as erotic and enriching and, and expanding. Yeah, I love your definition for eroticism and definitely agree with it. I think that <laughs> we can bring that into BDSM as the playfulness kind of bringing in that inner sense of play and inner child of like, what do we want to explore? What kind of like corners do we want to poke into? Um, what would be fun for us and for our partners to try that we've maybe never tried before, but had a curiosity. Mm. So I definitely welcome that openness and um, exploration in both my professional and personal world of like, mm. what, what do we want to try? Yeah. I love that. Ooh, what's, what's over here? What's in this corner? What's in, here's some, here's a box of toys. Which one looks fun to you? Totally. I joke that like, whenever I go to parties, I'll bring a bunch of different little props to play with. And I'll be like uh, a kinky instigator. Like, Ooh, you've never seen this before here. Why don't we try the violet wand? And I'll just like drop it off and then run away. And the little kinky fairy. Yes, I was gonna say kinky fairy. Yes. <laughs> what's, what's the violet wand before we get on to that? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. A violet wand is a really fun toy. It's in the electric play realm. So you have like a little wand, and then there are different glass attachments that you can mm-hmm. pop into it and you turn it on, and it creates anything from like a buzzy sensation to like a zappy sensation. So that can be really fun just to like run over the skin um, and try in all kinds of sensitive areas, lips and tongue and creating that buzzy feel. That's amazing. So, so explain to our, our listeners, because I actually, now that you say that I, I I really love the wand, (laughs) I had a lover with a comb and he put it through my hair and it was like all in my scalp. And I was just like drooling. I was like, Oh, Um, but why would somebody be interested in, in electricity? Like, (laughs) can you explain that one? (laughs) Yeah. I think it's just an interesting sensation that we don't really get to play with very much in our Mm -hmm. day-to-day lives. Um, I've experienced the comb as well, and it does have that like stimulating, um, kind of relaxing sensation. Yeah. So yeah, it can be another sensation we add into our toolbox to, to mix up. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. I think when, uh, oftentimes when people talk about dominatrixes or they talk about BDSM and, and I've had a couple of, uh, pro doms on my show that Justine Cross on. Um, so if you haven't heard those episodes, definitely tune into those. Um, but I think most people think of it as like whips and chains and dark and leather, you know, and here you're like, Oh, let's be playful little fairies. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So so how do you, uh, what's different about the way that you express your dominatrix? 
Mm, mm -hmm. I definitely think there is space for like the dark and the leather and the whips. Um, whenever that comes into play with your person, but I really enjoy sensual domination. So really appealing to sensation. Um, I also will do some mind play, incorporate some elements of hypnosis just to help people really sink into their deepest states of relaxation and meditation while Mm. we're together. Ooh, wow. So sensory, start with that, that one, the sensual, because I don't think many people understand that BDSM can be sensual. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like to encourage people just to, to get into their bodies, to feel, and to be really present with the sensations that they're experiencing. So sometimes that can be pleasure. Sometimes we can play with elements of pain or elements of, um, anticipation, maybe like prickling sensations. So there are so many different ways that we can feel in the body and it's learning. What do we like? What do we want to, um, like we alluded to earlier, poke around and maybe try some edgier sensations. So that could be the electric, that could be something like flogging or spanking with an impact toy. There are a bunch of different, um, yeah, different sensations we can play with. Mm, I like that because in, I, you know, I'm speaking for myself. I remember when I first started getting into BDSM, I think I was 23, 23, 24. And the experience of, of these, of the sensations helped me to get into my body more effectively. And I was, I was, especially at that time, I think I was still off in La La Land. I was dissociating. I was having more of a difficult time being in the body. And so for me, it was a very grounding experience to Mm -hmm. be able to access more of that, uh, energy as it existed into my, in my body. Yeah. That's a really wonderful experience. I'm so glad that you were able to, um, to tap into those those grounding parts of yourself. I've definitely seen that with clients and with partners. It's like when you have a strong sensation and someone's doing something to your body, it's almost like you can't focus anywhere else. (laughs) (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to do my grocery list in my head while, while I'm getting flogged. That's for sure. (laughs) Right. Right. So it has this really nice way of drawing you into your present experience of like, okay, what is happening in my body? What am I feeling both sensation wise and emotion wise? And I think that can be really, um, yeah, a powerful and exciting part of BDSM. Yeah. And you mentioned even to, uh, to this, uh, mind play. Tell mm-hmm. me, can you tell me more about that? That's interesting. Yeah. So I find a lot of my professional clients tend to be very heavy thinkers and tend to analyze a lot. Yeah. And sometimes they'll have trouble in sessions, even if we are doing strong sensation play or impact play of still writing their grocery list in their head. They no. Yeah. What? It's the muscle that they practice, right? They're very yeah. um, in their head and thinking a lot. So what I'll do is bring in elements of hypnosis and mind play, just kind of talking them into their body, into more of that meditative and trance-like state so they can surrender and be present in that moment. Because that may be a muscle that they're less used to working. Oh, okay. Okay. And so the meditative aspect of this, um, 
It sounds very spiritual. Like I, I can see now how you're, how you, how you interweave those pieces together. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of mind play was like psychological play. Is that two different things? Um, they can be closely related. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So mind play can be working with elements like fear or heightened emotions um, or it can be more on the relaxation side. So I'll kind of tune into the person's nervous system and see which direction they need to go. So if they're in a really activated or dysregulated state when they come in, then I know, okay, this is time for more of a relaxing session. We're going to do a lot of breathing, maybe doing breath work with flogging, um, maybe guiding them through a meditation before we start so they can feel a little bit more grounded or if they're coming in and I can tell they're really needing some excitement, um, just some adventure, something to, to spice it up and change their everyday routine, then maybe I'll go into, okay, we're going to play with fear or anticipation today mm -hmm. or um, some heightened emotions, joy, pain, and we can mm -hmm. work those elements in as well. Mm. So you're really attuning to them and creating the experience for them. Yes. How much of it are they guiding? What's their role in that? Yeah, I'd say in the beginning, so we do a negotiation and kind of talk through what would you like to experience in this session? Are there any feelings that you'd like to play with, mm. experiences that you'd like to try? So I get kind of a framework going in of, okay, this is the, the rough map for where we're going. Mm. And then kind of as we're playing and as I'll feel inspired and maybe want to try some things with them, I'm constantly checking in both verbally, you know, how is this feeling? What are you experiencing? Are you enjoying this? Is this sensation too much? <clears throat> Pardon. And then also looking at their body. So if we're doing a flogging scene, and I'm asking them to breathe through it. And I can notice that their body is really tense and holding. I can tell, okay, I might be going a little too strong or a little too quickly for them to be able to ease and relax into it. So mm. I'll back off. Mm. Yeah, wow. Very yeah. important. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And, and I can see how these, these qualities that you're talking about can relate. It can translate to any form of erotic or sexual expression. It's like mm -hmm. how, how, present are we to our partner in their nonverbal communication? How present are we to our, you know, what's going on inside of ourselves and how are we, uh, yeah, co-creating this experience to, to, to match what, what we need in the moment. Definitely. Definitely. And as the dominant energy, you're also guiding that process of where you want them to go because they may not <clears throat> may not be able to verbalize or communicate in those moments because <laughs> they're gagged. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. I was thinking like, oh, they're so in, involved in their sensations, but it could also be that they can't actually speak. <laughs> huh. So what you're describing there is, and we've talked about this in show in past episodes, this concept of power. You know, this power play between you and this other person. Um, how is, do you have to have specific qualities to be able to maintain those rules or how does somebody enter into those rules and like keep them? Does that make sense? It does. It does. Let me muse on 
what I would say about that. I mean, initially what's coming up is it's just like mileage. It's just practice. So if you're, if you're not accustomed to being the person who's leading in a scene or in any type of play or bedroom experience, um, then it might be, you might not jump into like a full hour long, like, okay, I'm going to guide you through this whole Mm -hmm. ups and downs and climax moments. Um, (laughs) It might just be like looking over at your partner across the room at a party and like giving them a a sexy wink or walking by and say like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do so many wonderfully naughty things to you later. Like it can just be those little moments and those add up over time. So you're I guess building that confidence would be like going to the gym and building that muscle. So like yeah, little, yeah. little moments. Does that? <laughs> does it that does. Help? Okay. Yeah. So here, when you're taking on this, the role of more of a dominating role, one of more that's constructing the experience, then you're establishing the power differential through little ways, not in the bedroom, before the bedroom. I think so. Yeah. I think it's helpful to prepave and then it gets your partner. Yeah. gets your partner in the right mindset. Yeah. Yeah. What if you have trouble because for many people, they don't know, you know, power, like, uh, I guess we have an egalitarian you know, culture. We're like be equal, be, you know, the same, same or whatever, but that doesn't necessarily uh, contribute to our polarity or to these, the, uh, sexual energy or charge between you. So mm-hmm. how would you, um, uh, would you have a dialogue with a person first? Like how, or if you feel the person isn't falling into the opposing role, I don't know that that's feels like an art to me. Yeah, I would agree. Definitely. <laughs> art. Um, I think that a conversation can be helpful if it's brand new and you're introducing it into your dynamic, because then you're not catching your partner off guard. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> if, yeah. If you're used to, um, yeah, being more quiet or I don't want to say passive necessarily, but if you're used to being guided in the experience and now you want to guide, um, that might be, yeah, might be something worth talking about beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah, especially if that's not your traditional sense, is it possible for people to be able to step into uh, a role that's not their, not their typical? So like, say they are more passive or more quiet or more, um, yeah, just not active, uh, in leading. Can they access that? I think so. And I think uh, an idea that just popped in is I think when I first started, I would do what I thought would be fun to have done for me. Mm. So I would look at my partner and be like, Ooh, I think it would be really sexy if, you know, they bit my neck. And then I could say, okay, I know that feeling when my partner bites my neck. Now I want to do that to create that feeling for them. Mm. So having a frame of reference actually on the bottom side, the person who's receiving it can be really helpful because then you know the sensations that you're wanting to create and the emotions that you're wanting to bring up in your person. Mm. Yeah. So it gives you a frame of reference and and adding to what you said earlier, negotiation and consent allows more freedom in that space to be able to try new things. Mm -hmm. This sounds like a lot of work. 
Lila. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking of everybody out there who's like, girl, I ain't got the time. I don't have the energy. I come home. I'm exhausted. The last thing I'm going to do is come up with a, with a placing or come up with a, with a thing. Um, and I, I personally see it as something that is exciting and, uh, energizing me more than anything else. But, uh, how would you, is there a way that you would explain it to, to people who's, who's, this is exhausting. I ain't got the time. Definitely. And it can be right. You can like plan these really elaborate scenes, but it can also be um, a little bit more gentle than that. Like I think acts of service are a great place to dip your toe in if you're wanting to be in that dominant role. So thinking about what's something that my partner could do for me that would add to my pleasure and kind of create that power dynamic. So it might be something like, babe, I'd really love you to give me a foot rub, like a massage. And I'll sit on the couch and you can sit on the floor and just gaze up at me adoringly and rub my feet. So that can be a gentle way of introducing a power dynamic and kind of that worship context. Ooh, interesting. Worship. Okay. What other, uh, you got me thinking of all these different styles of, of BDSM. Mm -hmm. Um, you got the sensuality, you got the worship, you got (laughs) acts of service. What else, what other, uh, when you think of the spectrum of how these dynamics can, can look, what are some of those characteristics? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, it can, it can literally be anything. Yeah. Any type of dynamic that you want to play with. Um, I tend more towards like the sensual and kind of goddessy worship. Um, but it can turn into like strict and demanding if you're wanting more of the like classical dominatrix look and energy. Um, there can be power dynamics around, you know, like mommy and daddy play or any type of role play where there's a power dynamic, maybe teacher and student, if you're doing a role play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the possibilities are, are endless. It's kind of up to mm-hmm. what you were saying earlier, that eroticism and your level of play. Yeah. Yeah. And you bring up a point of um, the concept of role plays, because we, th- we see some of these uh, dynamics that you just mentioned. And in the out, outside world, we're like, oh, that's absolutely not okay. That's not safe. And and what makes the difference between fantasy and role play? And this is questions that I get asked on Instagram all the time too. Um, what makes the difference between you know the fantasy role play and outside world? And how does that, uh, yeah, we'll start there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the difference for me Like any interaction, any relationship that you have, there's generally some kind of power dynamic, whether that's in um, the knowledge that you have or the experience or, you know, you're going to a doctor for something. There's there's going to be some kind of power dynamic in in the regular world. What I think is really interesting and special about the BDSM world is that we talk about it. We make it explicit. We have those conversations so that we can play with it. And it's Mm -hmm. not just, yeah, this kind of nebulous thing that exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I like that. And I think that makes the big difference between what happens in real life. You know, things like professor student is not appropriate (laughs) necessarily in real life for, um, you know, mommy, daddy, uh, littles play isn't appropriate in real life, but there's this difference of, 
there's the communication, there's the consent, there's the um, negotiation, there's it is it's brought to the surface and talked about versus leaking out in more shadow where you're not consciously connected and, and, and doing it with mindful consideration. Exactly. And you're creating a container for it. There's aftercare. Um, you're really going through this whole process with your person or persons. Can you explain that container and aftercare? Sure. Um, for me, the container is both the physical space. So making sure that, you know, someone's not going to walk into the bedroom in the middle of the day, if you have <laughs> kids or, um, pets even. So making sure that you have a secure space, but then also making sure that you're available emotionally, that you're able to be there and be present for your partner and for yourself. Should emotions come up, if you're dabbling into, um, maybe some edgier territory for you, knowing that you have resources both within your partnership and maybe even, you know, chatting with a counselor or someone afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you make a good point because there's a lot of psychological elements and, and, you know, if it's touching on something that's more taboo or not appropriate in real life, how to transition then from something that's play into back into the real world, I can imagine can be jarring at times. Yeah. Yeah. I find that ritual can be really helpful. So having something like a collaring ceremony, if that's something that's of interest, like, okay, when I put the collar on you, that means that we're in this liminal play space. And when I take it off, that means we're transitioning out. Some kind of ritual and anchor can really help people to move um, yeah, through, through the different states and spaces during play. Yeah. And really make something concrete, something that's so abstract. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, well, we were in the kitchen just making breakfast and now we're in the <laughs> kitchen paddling with the spatula, you know, you need, you need to delineate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Having boundaries around, around both of those pieces. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about power dynamics and we're talking about um, you know, having this, this energetic pull between you to the polarity, being able to drop into both of these alternating, the, you know, uh, opposing roles, would you say that there's any particular qualities that you would need to have to make this really successful or, um, things like, do you need to have chemistry? Do you need to be attracted to the person? That kind of thing. Yeah, I think. The qualities that feel important to me as a dominant is wanting to create an experience that my partner is going to enjoy. Mm. So that doesn't necessarily for me need to include physical attraction, but mm. I think there is an energetic component that is important to me. So if we're going back to the example of like a foot rub, mm -hmm. I may not necessarily need to be super attracted to that person to enjoy that foot rub. Mm. And you can create kind of that, like, let me see where I want to go with it. Yeah. Like the, the energy around the activity can be such that it can be really exciting and fun and playful. And you can build that chemistry from that. Oh, wow. That's so good. So it's, it's not that you're self-sacrificing your pleasure for the sake of somebody else you're creating and sourcing your own pleasure in the experience. Oh yeah. I think it turns into a fun feedback loop. So like 
if someone's, I'm going to keep using the foot massage, we can go into here. We'll go into hair brushing. I love hair brushing. If someone's brushing my hair, I'm getting the pleasure of the sensation and feeling cared for. And then they get to see, oh, she's really enjoying herself. I love that she's enjoying herself. And that feeds their excitement, their eroticism. And then I see them enjoying themselves and that will feed into me. So you get this wonderful feedback loop of pleasure and enjoyment. (laughs) I love that. And I think that's really important for really anybody to understand when it comes to the concept of chemistry, like how many students and clients I've had who are in the process of dating and and they're like, well, I'm not attracted to the person I can't, you know, I'm attracted to that one who I have a trauma bond with, but I'm not attracted to anybody else unless that. And I, and I, and I say, well, you know, that person was the muse and the inspiration for you to connect with your erotic energy, but that they're not the source of it. Like you're the source of it and you can, and it can, you can bring that out and cultivate it in other places and with other people, but it wasn't that person that sourced it for you, just inspired. And so here I'm hearing something similar as you're saying that of you create that, that pleasure in the experience. Yeah, definitely. I think before going into any type of play or scene, asking yourself, like, what do, what do I want from this? What would be most pleasurable and fun of an experience because then you know yeah where to go what's going to be fun for you I mean how many times do you get into an experience and you're like oh even if you're going to a restaurant what kind of what kind of food do you want or focusing on someone else's pleasure instead of asking yourself okay do I actually want the Thai food or do I want the Mexican food tonight (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so again it's leading with your pleasure but not not in the expense of the others or the other person or the expense of your pleasure. It's still present there. Yeah. Yeah. I think ideally it should be a mix of, of both. Agreed. Agreed. And I always think about, you know, these concepts of um, being a dominant because you're in power and you're creating, you're helping to facilitate somebody else's fantasies, like really bring out uh, or let them live out whatever whatever it is that they enjoy, but how important it is for you to also know what your no is and your boundaries is just as much as it is for them. Oh my gosh, so important. Right, because if you're not having a good time as the dominant, they're not having the good time as the submissive and following you. Yeah, yeah. And if people are interested in... Um, in doing this, like I can imagine it takes a level of confidence and empowerment to be able to, to direct and say and speak these things that you're talking about. Were you confident and empowered sexually when you first started being a dominant or did that come with the practice and, and the doing? <laughs> yeah, I think it, it definitely for me came from the practice and the doing. I can think of... Really? Yeah. I had a partner, um, kind of early on, uh, when I was discovering my dominance who asked me to tie him to the bed. And I was like, okay, I can do that. I have the technical skills to facilitate it. And once I tied his wrist and tied him to the bed, he dropped in so deeply and I wasn't expecting it. Like he just completely surrendered and released into my control. And at the time I didn't feel necessarily super in control or powerful. And it freaked me out. (laughs) What did you do? Oh my gosh. 
So I saw, I saw that he got into that really deep surrendered space. And I was like, Oh, and I went and I started untying him. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't expect you to go there so quickly. Like I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like I had um, fully realized how important it is to hold that power. And so I wound up taking him out and we talked about it afterwards and there was plenty more play later and it was all wonderful. But in that moment, I was like, oh, wow, this is like a real gift and a real power to be able to be in control of someone else's experience. Wow. And for you, who's consciously connected to the experience and you're, you're very intelligent to be able to, to discern that, uh, for many people who are just trying this out or just practicing for the first time, I can imagine that would be really, yeah, really scary and like not know how to, what to do with that or what to do with, uh, holding a scene like that. Yeah. A tip that I like to give for people who are just starting to dip their toe into sensation play or power is using a blindfold for your partner. Mm -hmm. So it can be so nice to just not have eyes on you. So you can feel free to, you know, roam around the bedroom. Oh shoot. That toy is on the other side of the room. I need to go grab it or, Oh, I'm stumbling in my heels. They won't even notice. (laughs) Right. They're just there happy to hear you whispering into their ear and tickling them. And, Uh and it holds the energy. It does. Okay. It does. Cause I'm afraid that they're going to hear me stumbling in my heels. (laughs) They're going to be like, Oh, we're in my, we're back in the, in the living room. (laughs) Yeah. See, but that can actually be, so you can bring in kind of that element of mind play too. So you may think, oh shoot, I just stumbled and like, they're going to hear and they're back in the living room where they may be in their head being like, oh, is she grabbing that one toy? Maybe, maybe she's grabbing that. Like they don't know, right? Yeah. (laughs) So they don't know that you've made a mistake until you tell them. So it's all part of your scene. Like, oh Uh yeah, I'm stumbling in my heels, but actually I'm walking towards you with power. They have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> or even make the sound into something that's kinky or something that like you saying your words to re-guide that. Because I can imagine, um, you know, if one partner really wants to do this, but then the other partner's like, oh, I'm doing this for you. And they're like laughing when you're trying to do a role play. Like, how would you, how would you suggest <laughs> asking for a friend, but how would yeah. you suggest that they, <laughs> that they, uh, yeah, navigate that work? Yeah. That. Role play can definitely be a challenging one because you're assuming not only completely different roles, but potentially different, um, I don't know, like you may not be a teacher in real life, but want to play a teacher and that might feel awkward. Um, I think that for role play, having a sense of humor can actually be really helpful. So if you do break dynamic for a minute and just like laughing about it and being like, yep, that was funny. And then jumping back in, like, it doesn't mean that your scene is over just because, you know, there may have been a little hiccup. Uh Um, chances are, if you're doing some type of fantasy or role play, like your person's okay with a little bit of stumble. They're figuring it out too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had that happen in a session where, where a client was broke out of the, their character, their role, and you had to hold that container again? Hmm. Let me think where a client has broken out of their role. Yeah. Um, I feel like when there's heightened arousal and eroticism, sometimes people will forget protocol that's in place. 
Mm. So I'll remind them like, okay, we're, um, make sure to keep your eyes lowered or whatever protocol I've set in place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sometimes if, if you're in heightened states of arousal, it's harder to maintain that. Oh yeah. Um, whatever you've set up. So a gentle reminder of like, okay, this is what we're doing can help bring people back to that mind space. Yeah. I get stupid sometimes when I'm getting super turned on. <laughs> oh, totally. We all do. We all do. <laughs> and when you say protocol, can you explain that? Yeah. So protocol is a set of rules that you have in place. Um, generally, well, it could be for a dynamic. It can also be in the context of a scene. So I may have a protocol, um, like a strict protocol of if a submissive comes in, I want their eyes lowered to the floor at all times. And that will connote respect and um, kind of heighten that power dynamic. Mm -hmm. But a protocol could also be, I need you to call me when you get home after a play session. Mm -hmm. So it's an agreed upon set of rules within your dynamic or within the scene. Amazing. I like that. And I can see how that can establish the roles even further um, to, to maintain that. Like if you're telling somebody to keep your eyes down on the ground, it, it, yeah, creates that sense of um, you are yeah, submitting to me as the, the one in power here. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think it creates some, um, <clears throat> some expectation for each time. So, you know, okay, every time I come in, I'm going to put on the collar. Every time I come in, I'm going to call my dominant by this name. And it, they can act as anchor points too, to help you to transition from your normal life into those moments of play and back out. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And how do you see this work transition or translate into people's everyday life? Oh my gosh. Um, I think the understanding of boundaries is a big one. I think being able to communicate your desires and your wants real time um, as things come up. Yeah, all very useful skills that mirror both in BDSM play and in, you know, work life, familial relationships. Mm hmm. Yeah, I would say that my introduction to the community, I was so amazed with the level of communication and negotiation that was happening all the time. And I'm like, I haven't ever had a sexual partner that that was this communicative (laughs) outside. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I feel like the kink community has created some really great tools like um, negotiation checklists and kinky what do we call it? Like a kinky checklist of all these different levels of communication and things to talk about, right. That you don't necessarily have in, um, mainstream, you'd call it main, yeah, mainstream <laughs> relationships, right. Uh-huh. It's not a, not a thing that we're taught like, Hey, we should sit down and be like, what are the things you like? What are the things you don't like? We kind of are just expected to, um, read our partner's minds and to understand Right, right. And anticipate their needs when that's not our job to do that. It's, you know, for each of us to be hold responsibility for our, yeah, our pleasure and our orgasm. And absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love that. I I have to say that the kinky community has made consent very sexy instead of 
clinical and, and mundane and boring, but. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. It's way more fun when it's like a playful conversation as opposed to, you know, an interrogation or like, all right, we're going to go through with doctor's forms and check all these boxes. <laughs> like that's not fun. <laughs> I mean, unless you're be. making it a, a sexy doctor scene and then it can't be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, 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 and I mean, it's like, I learned in that experience of being able to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to tie you up. Okay. And still adding in the, the consent and the asking questions, like even amid the play and keeping it sexy and staying in those roles, which I think is such a, again, I'll use the word art to be able to maintain that and maintain the conscious awareness of consent and boundaries. Yeah. I think that's a really wonderful way of staying present in the moment and also expressing your desires. Like I want to tie you up. This is something that I want. How are you with this? And that does keep the power dynamic while also giving them the option of saying, oh, maybe I want something different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. great. So I have a couple of questions from our audience that I want to put to you for those of you who follow me on Sex Love Yoga um, on Instagram. I take followers questions and I put them to my guest experts. So the first question that I have from a listener is, uh, where can I find events or communities or dungeons in my area? So I don't know where my area is, but we're just going to open it up to maybe the United States. I'm thinking of all my high school homies back in Missouri. (laughs) Maybe they want to get a little kinky in the kitchen, but how would they, (laughs) how could they find out more? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think there's a website called FetLife, F-E-T-L-I-F-E.com that I think can be a great resource. It's like a kinky Facebook. Mm Mm-hmm. So I find it to be really nice for finding events and you can search wherever you are. I think it's a global community. So you could be in another country, you could be in Missouri and searching for events. It's also really nice because you can create, and I'm not sponsored by them in any way, just a a helpful resource. Um, You can also create a profile with an alternate name. So if you have a scene name or a kink name that you want to use, you can be completely anonymous and find people to connect with and events there. Yes. It's kind of like a kinky Facebook is what I feel like it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Great. Um, and next question, last question. Uh, I, my husband wants to practice BDSM. Is it appropriate for me to get him a, a dominatrix, dom, pro dom? Yeah. Got it. Um, so what I'm understanding from that is they're in a partnership and the male is interested in seeking a pro dom and, Mm -hmm. um, the partner is kind of debating if, is that okay? Yeah. (laughs) Is that okay? (laughs) Totally a thing. Um, I've actually had partners reach out before that are interested in, in professional services for their partner. And I think that's really great, especially if you don't know where to begin um, or you're curious learning about it, curious to learn about it. Um, I've also done sessions where both partners are all multiple. Sometimes it's three, four partners are present and they just want to be in the space and kind of watching and seeing what goes on. I think that's really, really great if that's something that feels good in your dynamic. 
Yeah. And I love that because there's a level of wanting. So I published research in, um, uh, about couples in which one identified in the BDSM community and the other one didn't, mm-hmm. how did they negotiate the sexual aspect of their marriage? And one of the main qualities in those relationships was the vanilla partner, the partner that didn't identify with it, uh, wanted their partner to feel fulfilled mm-hmm. in their life. And so I, I see that so beautiful of being able to hold. I want you to feel fulfilled. I want you to feel met. Even if I can't meet that for you, I want you to have that. And so I think that's, it's beautiful when we can hold this open-mindedness of uh, negotiation. And that doesn't mean to self-sacrifice your own needs, but to negotiate a win-win so that both of you can feel held and fulfilled and, and, and met in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's incredibly beautiful. I love that, um, that people are going and seeking that for their, their people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you are providing that for them. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to have you teaching with me and erotically undone. It's going to be such a beautiful experience to introduce women and femme to, and, um, and I can't wait for them to meet your magic. Mm -hmm. Where can, where can people find out more about you and more about how they can work with you? Yeah. My website is MissLilaSage.com. And you can find all sorts of goodies. There's a free relaxation meditation if you sign up for my newsletter mm-hmm. and also a great place to reach out to me and see the different content and things I have going on. Mm-hmm. And she does phenomenal uh, theater events, uh, fetish, fetish. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that are incredible. I highly recommend it here in LA whenever she has it again. So get on her newsletter so you can find out. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. It was a sensual, dominating, pleasurable experience. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Well, thank you for coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun to chat so candidly with you, and I'm happy that we got to answer some of your listeners' questions as well. Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, Hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. Until next time, keep it sexy. Sexy.